Ezra. I'm going to read 13 verses. Uh, For easy reading, I'm going to read out of the Christian Standard Bible translation this morning. Ezra chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. When the seventh month arrived and the Israelites were in their towns, the people gathered as one in Jerusalem. Joshua, son of Josadak, and his brothers, the priests, along with Zerubbabel and Sheatiel and his brothers, began to build the altar of Israel's God in order to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set up the altar on its foundation and offered burnt offerings for the morning and the evening sacrifice on it to the Lord, even though they feared the surrounding peoples. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed and offered burnt offerings each day based on the number specified by ordinance for each festival day. After that, they offered the regular burnt offering and the offerings for the beginning of each month and for all the Lord's appointed holy occasions as well as the freewill offerings brought to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord even though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. They gave money to the stonecutters and artisans and gave food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar wood from Lebanon to Joppa by sea according to the authorization given them by King Cyrus of Persia. Verse 8. In the second month of the second year after they arrived at God's house in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jozadak, and the rest of their brothers, including the priests, the Levites, and all who had returned to Jerusalem from the captivity, began to build. They appointed the Levites, who were 20 years old or more, to supervise the work of the Lord's house. Joshua, with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah and of Hinnadad, with their sons and brothers, the Levites, joined together to supervise those working on the house of God. When the builders had laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests, dressed in their robes and holding trumpets, and the Levites, descended from Asaph, holding cymbals, took their positions to praise the Lord, as King David of Israel had instructed. They sang with praise. Say praise. And thanksgiving to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love to Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout of praise. Y'all give me a great shout of praise this morning. Let me hear it. They gave a a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and family heads who had seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this temple. But many others shouted joyfully. The people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shouting from that of the weeping because the people were shouting so loudly. And the sound was heard far away. You may not understand it now, but by the end of this message, you will. I want to preach to you today part three of this series that we've been on that I've titled True Worship. And today we're going to talk about drowning out discouragement. Does anybody need the discouragement in your life drowned out this morning? I'm going to show you from the Word of God how we do that today. Pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you once again for your presence. We thank you for your Word Lord, that has been spoken here today. I pray for the next few moments you would, Lord, remove every hindrance that would come against this service and that would prohibit us from hearing your word. Lord, I pray that you would anoint every ear in this house to hear and every heart to receive, Lord, what you speak to us today. I pray, God, we'd leave this house with a revelation 
of praise and the power of it today. God, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I would not speak my words or even with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that I would speak your word today and that, Lord, through and by your anointing, your word would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Let us leave this place differently than we came because we have been in your presence and we've been changed by your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Evan. He may be my brother-in-law, but he is a man of many talents, is he not? He don't like to be bragged on, but he's not the pastor, so there's that. For the last few weeks, we've been in a series intentionally talking about what true worship really is. And I didn't even intend to get in a series when we started this, but this is the way the Lord just began directing But worship, I'm going to summarize for those that may not have been here, kind of where we are. Worship is not a plan or a performance. It's not merely just the time that we spend singing in church. Worship is a heartfelt response to an awesome, worthy God. Can I get an amen this morning? Worship is important. Y'all help me preach. As a matter of fact... Whether you've really worshipped yet in this service or not, and a lot of people have, but maybe for you, whether you've really worshipped yet or not, worship is the sole purpose for which you are here in this building today. This is a worship service, so it's my prayer that we don't spend the time and the effort that it takes getting here. Anybody have trouble wrangling the kids this morning? That we don't spend the time and the effort that it takes to get here and then miss the opportunity to do what it is that we came here to do. Here's a few things that we've talked about in this series so far. True worship is not dependent on the atmosphere. True worship will change the atmosphere. True worship is not about my worth. True worship is about His worth. True worship is about giving everything we have to God and holding nothing back. True worship, true worship cannot be silenced by our circumstances. Say amen, somebody. And here's another one we talked about last week. It's a tough one, but it's the truth. Our worship does not offset our sin. True worship involves separation from sin. And I was reminded this week, actually, about a message that Pastor Dwight preached several years ago about worship where he talked about, and some of you, a few of you may remember that, but he preached a message, I don't remember what the title of it was, but the gist was, my worship doesn't have to look or sound like your worship. Aren't y'all glad that we all can worship God the way that we feel as my My first senior pastor in Pentecost said, according to the dictates of our own conscience, we can worship God the way we see fit, and my worship doesn't have to look like your worship. Why is worship important? First of all, worship redirects our focus from the problem and places our focus on the problem solver. Worship doesn't always change our circumstances, but worship does change us. Worship reminds us of how incapable we are and how capable the God that we serve is. And there are actually five acts or five elements of worship. 
Almost all of them were represented in the text that I read this morning. First of all, praying. The altar was represented in verses 1 through 3. Secondly, giving. Giving was represented in verses 4 through 7. Praising. Praise was represented in verses 8 through 13. Preaching, which is what we're doing right now, was represented throughout the entire book. Ezra himself was a priest and a scribe. And Ezra preached the message that we talked about last week on separation from sin. Communion was represented in the fact that they kept the feast. Communion is a sacrament that was instituted by Christ himself, the Last Supper. We talked about communion in our membership class this morning. Every single one of these elements of worship are important. We cannot simply pick out the ones that we like and then just discard the rest. True worship doesn't allow us, hear me when I say this this morning, to choose what is just comfortable for us. But rather, true worship gets quite uncomfortable at times. How many know what I'm talking about? True worship has a sound. Somebody help me preach this morning. I said true worship has a sound that is greater than the noise of this world. So what happens when worship is missing? When the sound of true worship is gone? Oh, listen, we have a lot of worship going on in the church world today. We've talked about this every week. But the problem that I see is this. The sound in our churches is not greater than the noise of this world. The absence of praise in many churches has left a silence that is dominated by the noise of our circumstances, the noise of our emotions, and the noise of our discouragement. Sometimes the voice of discouragement is greater than the noise of praise that we hear. Or that we generate in our lives. And today many people come to church discouraged. And then they leave church discouraged. They don't feel any better when they leave than they do when they came. The sound of discouragement in most of our churches is louder than the sound of praise. Most people don't push themselves to stay in church when times are hard. Most people don't push themselves to worship when it's not convenient or when we don't feel like it. Ain't no Pentecostals going to help me preach today. Because we're all about the feeling. We're hooked on a feeling. There's a song about that. And if we don't have the feeling, we think we can't praise. But true worship will lift up hands and will lift up a heart and will lift up a voice to God that is worthy even when we don't feel like it. And many people, they don't push themselves to stay in church when times get hard because they haven't experienced a time of worship that would drown out the discouragement in their lives. You see, the reason that many old-timers were so faithful to church was because they understood the power of their praise. When they came to church, they came expecting. They came to worship. You know, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. They didn't just praise Him because things were good or things were easy. 
They praised him because that was the only relief they got. But they realized and they recognized when they praised into his presence, there was something that changed in the atmosphere. Something happened when they got in his presence. They came to church with the intention of getting their minds off their problems and onto the one who holds the solution. And when they praised, things happened. When they prayed, miracles took place. They knew that while they were worshiping, God was at war on their behalf. They did what the psalmist David admonished all of us to do. They entered his gates with thanksgiving. And they came into his courts with praise. They understood the way into his presence was through their praise. Did you hear your pastor this morning? The way, somebody said, I just need to be in the presence of the Lord. The way into his presence is through your praise. Did you know your praise doesn't have to look like my praise? Somebody said, well, I'm glad because I don't want to jump around and act like you do. Your praise don't have to look like my praise. Because your praise is just that. It's your praise. See, there's a lot of times that maybe people don't understand my praise. But see, they used to say something in the black church. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. Can I get a witness this morning? You may not have been through what I've been through. I didn't just come by this call easily. I ran from it. Some of y'all know my testimony. But I ended up with a blood clot in my left leg from my groin to the middle of my calf. And you medical people know how serious that is. And I told God, they told me we're flying you to Lexington to amputate your leg. When I got to Lexington, you've got cancer somewhere in your body. I told God, if you'll let me keep my leg and there'll be no cancer in my body, I'll preach your word till I die. So it's not an option for me when I don't feel like it I'm still going to lift up a praise when I don't when I don't feel it in my body I'm still going to lift up a praise because it's not about how I feel it's not about what I'm going through but it's about what God has done for me you don't know the cost of my praise I don't know the cost of your praise I don't know like you know what God has done for you. Everybody's praise don't look the same. There are even nine different types of praise mentioned in Hebrew. We're going to go through these this morning. Then I'm going to recruit some people to help me. Yeah. First of all, Barak. I should have put these on the board or the screens, but I didn't. Barak. Everybody say Barak. Not Obama. Praise the Lord. I won't say anything else about that. I'll just move right on. Barak means to kneel and bless God as an act of adoration. It implies a continual conscious giving place to God to be attuned to His presence. Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, Come let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord our maker. That's Barak. Second, say Yada. Yada means to worship 
with an extended hand. Psalms chapter 63 and verse 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. I had a revelation this week. I wished every time somebody said Jesus, we all went just like this. Could you imagine what church would be like? Praise Jesus. And everybody starts lifting their hands. That's what a yada praise is. Psalm 134 and 2. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. That's what yada looks like. Number three. And I'm not going to preach long today. Karar. Karar means to dance. Some of y'all are going to get real nervous now. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter Michael looked down from the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. That's what Karar looks like, to dance. Everybody say, Halal. Halal is the root for our word. What word do you think? Hallelujah. It means to rave about, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. That's what the definition means. The literal translation is to spin like a top. Anybody ever seen anybody do that in church before? I have. Psalms 113 and 1 says, Hallelujah. Everybody say that. Give praise, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So a halal praise is hallelujah. Number five, Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. Shabbat. Y'all had too much fun with that, some of you. I heard a Shabbat. Shabbat means a shout or a command to address in a loud tone. Psalms 145 and 4. One generation will declare. The Greek word for declare there is translated praise, which is translated shabak. So replace that. One generation will praise or shabak your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. A shabak sounds like praise the Lord. Everybody say that. Thank you. And the next one is taqwa. Say taqwa. Taqwa is to clap your hands. Everybody do that. (laughs) Psalms 47 and 1, the psalmist said, Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout unto God with a jubilant cry. So a, a, a taqwa praise looks like this. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody else do that besides me. Come on. The next one is Toda. Say Toda. Toda is the same root as Yada, but it literally means an extension of the hands in adoration. Psalm 50 and 14. Offer a thanksgiving sacrifice to God and pay your vows to the Most High. Psalm 50 and 23. Whoever offers a thanksgiving sacrifice honors me, and whoever orders his conduct, I will show him the salvation of God. The next one is Zamar. Everybody say Zamar. Zamar means to touch the strings, to play an instrument in worship. Psalms 150 and verse 4. Praise Him with the tambourine and dance. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. And then the last one is Tehillah. Everybody say Tehillah. 
Tehillah means to sing a spontaneous, extemporaneous song. I'm sorry, extemporaneous song. I said that word wrong. This is the praise described by John in the book of Revelation. Psalm chapter 40 and verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. That a Tehillah kind of praise is what you hear going on every once in a while on the praise team where Abby or Nicholas at the end of a song is going, We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. Whatever they're doing, hallelujah. They're singing a spontaneous song of worship. That's what Tehillah looks like. Now, I'm almost done. And somebody says, Why are you going through all this? You'll get it in a minute. There are nine different, unique, hello, they're all unique types or expressions of praise. There is one source of discouragement. Anybody know who it is? Please don't call a name unless it's Satan. Even if, you're, you're not, even if your discouragement is coming through a person, you aren't wrestling flesh and blood. Hello, somebody. But principalities and powers... So there are nine distinctive, unique, different expressions of praise and one source of discouragement. It's the enemy of your soul. He's the one who whispers discouragement in your ears. He's the one who's constantly reminding you of what the doctor's report says. Somebody help me preach. He's the one that's constantly reminding you of what the bank account says. He's the one that's constantly reminds you of what the situation looks like. He's the one that's constantly reminding you of what used to be, but what now is. He's the one that's constantly reminding you of what the circumstances in your life may look like at this moment. And the purpose that he does that is his voice of discouragement over your life. But there are nine distinct, different expressions of praise. So when you assemble yourself together for worship as we are here today, how many would agree with me that people ought to leave church feeling better than when they came? I'm not an advocate of changing churches a lot. But if you ever get to the place in this church where you leave here feeling worse than you did when you came, it might be time to go. Hello, somebody. Hello. People ought to leave church feeling better than they did when they came. We've all got that voice. of That's what's amazing about the one source of discouragement. He's whispering in all of our ears. We've all got that voice of discouragement. But when you assemble together for worship as we are here today, you've got at least ten choices. Did you know that? You can either cry with the voice of discouragement or you can drown out that discouragement with your praise. The people, verse 13 again, Jordan, if you don't mind. The people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shouting from that of the weeping because the people were shouting so loudly 
And the sound was heard from so far away. Now, I had to try to think about who the best crier in this church might be. Janelle, come help me. I want you to just boo-hoo. Yeah, come on. You've got it. You, you do this all the time. Boo-hoo. Just go ahead. Come on, do it. Do it. Is she not good? So seriously, I want you to come. Other people's going to come help me. I want you to come here and help me. Come on, y'all give her a hand. Barack. George, come help me. Barack means, just come on up right here. Barack means to kneel. I want you to just kneel and say, we worship you, Jesus, or whatever you want to say. Say it loud. Say it louder. Yes. Give him a hand. Is that not good? Okay, stay right there. Stay right there. Yada and Torah, to extend hands, I want you to, where's Darla? Come here, Darla. I want you to come here. Extend your hands and just shout, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Whatever you want to shout. No, like you would in worship. We all hear you. You got to, you got to, wait a minute, I'm going to preach on her. You got to have a song going on to do that. Uh, like you do in worship. Let us hear you. Can we turn down the lights? She said, like we do in worship. Let me hear you. Do you don't y'all hear her do that when we're worshiping? You're going to get this in a minute. Halal. Come on, Dwight. I want you to just shout hallelujah as loud as you can. Hallelujah. Yeah, isn't that good? Karar is to dance. Come on, Lonnie. Why don't you just jump up and down? All right. Shout glory while you're doing it. Whatever else you want to shout. All right. Give him a hand. We're about to get there. Shabak. It's a loud command. Come on, Libby. I want you to just shout, praise the Lord. Like you're telling everybody else to do it. Shout it again. All right, give her a hand. Karen, come on up here. When the Holy Ghost moves on Karen, she does this one real well. Clap your hands. Yeah, see, I told you. Evan and Abby, come on up. I'm done. But I want you all to get this. Zamar is to play on the instruments. Evan, I want you to just play us whatever you want to play on the keyboard. Play it loud. Tehillah is to spontaneously sing. Hallelujah, you are the Jesus. <laughs> Y'all feel what I feel this morning? I'm telling you, I feel this right now. I want somebody to get this this morning. Woo! I want some pull up my shandalabosatai. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah! I want somebody to get this this morning. Now listen. I want you to remember what you were. All of you all, I want you to remember what you were. Because God's about to do something in here. When you come into this place, you've got at least 10 choices. 
You've got the voice of discouragement. Come on, Jill. Virginia, let, let me hear you cry. Come on. No, come on, let me hear you cry. Let me hear you cry and weep. Come on, weep. Hear that discouragement? Go ahead. <laughs> discouragement, crying and weeping. You can join in with that voice. Or let me tell you what you can do. Janelle, don't stop. You can, you can Barak. Who is Barak? Neil, worship you, Jesus. You can Yada and Torah. Extend your hands and thank you, Jesus. Come on, keep going. You can halal, hallelujah. You can karar, you can dance, you can jump and you can leap. You can shabbat, praise the Lord. You can taqwa, you can clap your hands. You can zamar, you can woo, play on the instruments. Or you can tehillah, you can Did you notice something? Did you notice something? It doesn't take all nine. It just takes one or two to drown out the voice of discouragement in your life. Stop listening. Stop listening to what the enemy says. Stop listening to the voice of discouragement. But instead join in. Join in and give him praise. Listen to me. I'm about to open this altar. I know there's discouragement on every hand. I know that. And I know, y'all don't go anywhere, stay right there. I know that we have people under attack, fighting real battles. You don't know all that I know. If I began to tell you the things sometimes, that have taken place in the lives of people that are members of this faith family. You wouldn't believe it. That voice of discouragement, sometimes it gets loud. As a pastor, you want God to move for your people so bad you can taste it. But you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can want God to set somebody free in their family, but until they want to be set free, there's nothing you can do about it. And that voice of discouragement gets loud sometimes. But we have to make a decision that we're going to do everything we possibly can to drown out that voice of discouragement. We come to church too many times worrying about what somebody around us will think. If we just cut loose and praise God, if we just cut loose and worship, I want to ask you, what does it matter what they think? They don't know like you know what God has done for you. When Paul and Silas were in prison, they sang about it this morning. Sing that one again. When Paul and Silas were in prison, the voice of discouragement was loud. I venture to say, most Pentecostal people would have never made it. I mean, other denominations too, but the Baptists would have probably hung in there because they're not hooked on a feeling. Are you with me? I venture to say, most of us would not have made it 
because the voice of discouragement they were doing nothing except the work of the kingdom but they found themselves stripped beaten and thrown into the dungeon part of the prison but for some reason they made a decision I refuse to let the voice of discouragement keep me down God has been too good to me if I die in this prison I'm going to die giving him praise the voice of praise was louder when Daniel found himself in the lion's den the voice of discouragement was loud but the voice of praise was louder. When the three Hebrew children got thrown in the fiery furnace, all they were doing, all they were doing was what some of us, not all of us, but some of us are doing today, saying, I refuse to bend and to bow and to worship the God of this world. And because they refused, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. The voice of discouragement was loud. But the voice of praise was louder. They said, even so, King, the God that we serve is able. He's able. He's able. You need to drown out the voice of discouragement by reminding the devil, you don't go by what the circumstances look like. With man, it might look like it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Here's my question to you. I don't know if next week, if we'll do Heritage Sunday and then we'll go right back into this. If we went right back into this, would it be all right? <laughs> we need to learn how to worship. But my question this morning as I close this sermon is this. Are you going to be a true worshiper? I know some people are saying, oh, he's getting them all worked up. All this is not necessary. Hmm. Tell that to somebody else. Yes. Prince of Peace, mm. Holy One of Israel, Lamb of God, mm. Savior 
Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands all over this room. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the speaking of your spirit. Mm. We thank you for reminding us of the power in your name. Somebody says, I don't understand what just happened. There's two kinds of tongues in the Bible. One is your individual prayer language that you receive the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The other is the Spirit of God speaking to His people through the gift of tongues and interpretation. That's what you just experienced. God is reminding us of the power of His name this morning. Father, we thank you for that power. We thank you for the power in your name. We thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. We thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that healeth thee. We thank you that you are Jehovah Nisi. You are our banner of victory. We thank you, God, that you are Jehovah. You are God. There is power in your name. Lord, it's my prayer that as your people, we don't live beneath the privilege that we have in your name. We thank you for speaking to us this morning by your spirit. Hallelujah. We'll close with this this morning. The Holy Ghost has already done the work. I want to remind you of John chapter 4 and verse 23. You say, Pastor, what, what, what is the purpose of all of this? Jesus said, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here. When? Right now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Watch this. The Father's looking. I believe He's sitting in heaven this morning. He's looking in every single church. And I believe He's finding some and He's saying, there's one. There's one that's worshiping me in spirit and in truth. Not entire churches. Individuals. See, that's the thing. We're a corporate body, but this is a you and God thing. And God's looking and He's saying, there's one that's worshiping me in spirit and in truth. It says the Father is looking for those that will worship Him that way. What does He see when He sees you this morning? Does He see somebody who is so easily influenced by the sound of discouragement? Or does He see somebody that says, I got nine other options. I think I'm going to put some of them to you.